Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Call to Action podcast. Today is Thursday, October 8th. And uh, once again, like Tuesday, Eric, we're, we're talking football, and it's great yeah. to be talking football. Um, we have the head coach of the Buffalo football program, Lance Leipold. Coach, thanks for joining us today, and how you doing? I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be with you, and uh, excited to have the opportunity to talk with you. Hey, Jeremy. Jeremy, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that you're in the presence of uh, two D3 legends. Oh, yeah? Me and Coach, yep. Yeah. I bet Coach didn't know that either. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> uh, well, that's good, yeah. What, what are you a legend in again, Eric? Oh, yeah, well, I haven't figured that part out. Oh, yet. okay. Got it, I thought you were talking about, about, about the two of you, but... Not D3 here. Not D3. <laughs> Um, well, coach, getting, getting right back into it, all kidding aside, I mean, yesterday uh, it was another great piece of news in getting our football schedule just a couple of weeks, two, a little uh, less than two weeks ago, announcing the return to football. How does it feel just to get that news and, and, and you know, break down, um, you know, also how your student athletes took that news when we announced, you know, that football is back. And then after getting your schedule yesterday, do they, things are kind of feeling maybe a little bit more normal. Yeah, Jeremy, I think that's the best way to say it. There's some a little bit of normalcy finally in, in, in their lives and and all the ups and downs and the meetings with no updates and no news and then not a lot of positive news as far as you know what their their goals are and, and what they had set out to do for the fall. And and then you get a chance to tell them that they get a chance to play. And then a couple weeks later now now you know who you're gonna play. Uh, you can definitely see that, uh, you know, focus and purpose are really starting to, you know, you know, kind of re-enter the program and in their lives, and it's it's been exciting to see because you can see their body language change along the way. Yeah, coach, how did you kind of keep them focused, and has your coaching mentality changed going into this new season and this new schedule? Um. I guess uh, answer the latter first, Eric, is, you know, changes, uh, you know, make sure we appreciate that we get the opportunity to play. You know, I think that's one thing, you know, you, we're all going to want to win and do those things and the competitive juices will, will definitely be flowing once the ball gets kicked off. But I think there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a sense of appreciation on November 4th when the ball gets kicked off and that we finally got a chance to do it. And, and maybe embrace that. Sometimes we're, we we go and go, and there's the next thing that we always have to do. And when something's taken away, you have you know you you appreciate a little bit more. And I I think we will and appreciate the opportunity we get to work with our young men and and watch them develop and all those things. And I, I think they they see that even at their ages sometimes as as well. Um, as far as the part about our players, you know, you know, returning in late June for some, July others you know, with or without the season was still catching up on things for that time missed from, you know, really mid-March, April, May of, of some of those portions. So you're, you always kind of could have something at least in the strength and conditioning area that, that we were trying to, you know, kind of catch up on and do those things. Guys embraced that part, understood where it was at. But, you know, then the disappointment that when the season wasn't there, um, you know, kind of balancing it. Okay, what you know, what are we going to do, and what's its purpose, and and, and you know why, and and when are we going to do that? When are we get on the field again for real? And we're trying to balance that, as well as what was happening with uh, 
you know, academically and adjusting to all those things. Um, you know, um, so we, we try to find a way to do it. I think our, our strength coach, Matt Gildersleeve and his staff did a great job again, you know, trying to find ways. I appreciate the way our coaching staff, um, you know, there's only so many of these zoom calls you can ask 18 to 20, 21, 22 year olds to keep doing with great purpose besides then the zooms of virtual classes and things. So we tried to respect that. Um, hopefully we've done a good enough job with that, that we can keep moving forward now that we're, we're going for real. Yeah, it's gotta be tough for your guys because you're, you're coming off, uh, you know, last season where you're getting the first bowl win in school history and you get some momentum there. Uh, I mean, they're hungry, you know, I, I'm sure they're hungry and, and been wanting to play to build off that. How much is that looked upon kind of from, from last year? I know it's a long way off from now, but you know, in the past, but you know, is that still used? Uh, do you think in some of the guys just like, Hey, we, we did something special last year. We, we liked that feeling. We want to do something a little more. Uh, definitely. Uh, Jeremy, I, I think that is, it's, you know, with everything kind of being paused and sent home and doing things, even thing like, uh, their, their bowl rings and that didn't even show up till, till August, you know, right about the time. So, you know, there, there is that other sense to kind of bring it back and, and look at it. It's, it's kind of been that way a little bit, not, not that anybody ever feels sorry for you or what we're looking for to keep building upon, you know, um, 2017, we win our last three games, become bowl eligible, but don't, don't, don't get, uh, we are not chosen to play in a bowl game. You know, then 18, we win 10 games, but, you know, you know, lose three of our last four down the stretch. So the momentum of, of that season, and then, um, you know, uh, we had some players leave the program. So that momentum was kind of stalled. And now you feel it again is that you, you play and you win a bowl game and you do something, and you got some momentum and energy to kind of propel in the spring football. And again, it's kind of put there. So um, we, we just got to find a way to, to, to bring that, that life back in. And I think we do. And I, I think that's the one thing that, and I was on something earlier today is if this was a year ago, um, I'd, I'd have high concerns about where we'd be going in these six games because of the time, the unknown of where we were a year ago as a football team, uh, the unknown of the time away from each other um, through last season's success, the development of, of leaders on the team, not just uh, maybe productive football players has kind of helped us move forward. And hopefully we'll see those pay dividends this, this, uh, in these six games. Yeah, and I kind of want you to expand on that a little bit, just because you have so much talent on this team coming back, especially, you know, with Jared having the year he had last season. Just talk about him and his leadership and then and then what you're seeing from the other guys. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. You know, a year ago around, you know, August time, you know, we start talking about, you know, guys, there's still a lot of good football players here. You know, and, and we were spending a lot of time talking about the ones that weren't here anymore. And, and I said that we got to focus on the ones that are here and, you know, and they started to show that and the confidence started to build. And, and, you, and you mentioned Jared. Jared's definitely one of those and Jared Patterson. And the thing that's so great about Jared is his work ethic and his attitude. And, and it's, a, it's really a coach's dream is when your best and better football players are your best practice players, it, it becomes contagious as an example. And that's what Jared Patterson is. Fundamentally, effort, energy, finishing plays, you know, whether he was a, uh, as productive as he was, or if he was the third string tailback for us, 
he would be the example in off a practice film and that's what you love and then you see the production you see the way he takes care of himself how he conducts himself off the field those are things that that you you really kind of um embrace as a head coach as a coaching staff and 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 you look for that to, to help bring that consistency within your program as as you build a program one thing I definitely wanted to bring up, uh, I'm glad that in these six games that the your student athletes are going to get to use these locker rooms that we've seen <laughs> all over social media. Uh, talk about what that brings to the table. I mean, we've seen the pictures. We actually had Jared on a couple of weeks ago to ask him his thoughts. And clearly uh, when those guys walk in there, you know, it's, it's big time. It looks awesome. So, you know, how, how do you like um, how it turned out and, and what does that mean to your guys? Well, um, uh, thanks for asking. I'm you know, really proud of the way it turned out. Really appreciate our administration on that. Um, it is. It's one of those times, and um, quite honestly, as we looked at it when, when we arrived here, you know, six seasons ago, um, you know, our, our facilities were definitely uh, um, in the lower part of the league. And uh, those are things that were talked upon. And when we looked at things that we needed to do to make our program better, but also take care of our student athletes. And I share the quick story. Rob Ionello's our, our uh, um, associate head coach, receivers coach, recruiting coordinator. Um, when, when I was still finishing up coaching at, at, at Wisconsin Whitewater, um, I, would, I was coming in, I'm flying in on Sundays and leaving early Tuesday morning. And uh, Rob would fly in on Tuesday before he officially accepted the job and just kind of was consulting and helping at the time. Well, right after I took the job and the first time, one of his conversations to me was, uh, did you see the locker room? Did they show you the locker room? I said, you know, I don't think so. You know, your whirlwind of, of a press conference, everything. And, and um, I said, no, why? He goes, um, I go, he goes, oh, okay. And I said, well, what's wrong? He goes, well, we have some work to do. And, and that always resonated with me. And, you know, you know, Mark Allnut's our third athletic director since I've had this job. So, you know, great gaining and, you know, consistent traction on, on, on things. You, it hasn't always been there because you're changing leadership, but to, to try to get this done for, for our players and to see it really turn out, we, we feel it's, it's definitely top notch, uh, Kind of a, you know, it's one of those where we feel it can be power five-ish type looking locker room. And, and hopefully we continue to do that with some more of our facilities. I was going to ask, do you have any updates to your office or what's your, what's your new favorite part of the, the locker room? <laughs> you know, you know, it's one of the things that we've tried to do, Eric, was make sure it was for the, 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 the players, you know, the, the barbershop that's in there. But I, I think the thing that we're able to do that you see across country is the individual portion of the locker where the player walks in and sees their photo uh, of themselves and what we can do. And, you know, it's got the outlets and all the things, but uh, we partnered with uh, uh, Longhorn Lockers out of Texas and they, they do a lot of big time programs and to watch how it's made and, 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 and all the things that it, that it has it, you know, we, we, we went right to it of, of what it was going to be. And I told them our, the goal was when I met with them is that I want this to be one that at the group of five level, people will, will, will kind of open up their eyes. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I try to pass through there every now and then for it. But again, we, we, we still, uh, like I say, now get a chance to use it is the important yep. thing because, and that was a nice shot in the arm 
at the time when things weren't really there because it was it was a little behind schedule and then it was deflating but at least at that moment I think it was especially for our seniors because they didn't you know some were you know a lot of guys had to make decisions about life and and now now that they get to see it and use it I, I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, can't wait to uh, next time we we come into town. Definitely gonna have to take a stroll through there. The uh, it looks awesome. I mean, from Absolutely. from everything we've seen, it it looks incredible. So, uh, job well done when everyone putting that together, no doubt. Um, let's let's talk. I mean, we're less than a month from the season beginning. Uh, you talked a little bit about your team, but uh, you know, what what are you looking forward to? What does this team maybe? need to work a little on? I know you just started up practice, but what, what do you think you need to work a little bit on? And what do you think you can, um, you know, grow uh, from, how can you grow from some of the momentum you picked up from last year? Well, I, I think uh, some obvious things that we have to get better on as coaches, we're always looking at the things, uh, probably spend too much time on those sometimes and, and the, well, what we got to get better at. But I, I think offensively where it starts is, uh, more balance. I, I mean, when, when you do have productive and good running backs, now we've lost some offensive linemen off of last year's team. So we have to make some replacements and some adjustments. And I think there's some unsung players that, that were in that group that departed as well as some that returned up front, but uh, consistency in, in throwing the football um, and, and, and being comfortable doing that again. I, I think, you know, I think Antonio Nunn had an outstanding year. I think we have an outstanding tight end in Zach LaFave. Um, but, at, but the other receivers, um, we, we have a lot of guys that are going to be competing. We just have to find the ones that are going to consistently out there and take some pressure off of Antonio and give us that, that pure balance that, that we really want to strive for. Um, so this, that's big. Special teams, I, I always feel like we, we, we still haven't quite turned that corner completely on where we want to be in the kicking game. We struggled punting. You know, we lost our punter last year, Evan Finnegan, in the Penn State game to, to you know, a really unfortunate injury. And then from there, you, you always don't have a backup punter in mind. You don't always think that's one you're going to lose for the year. You might lose one for a little bit and get out of a game. But, you know, at times that, that, that wasn't – and it wasn't fair to the guys that we put in those spots either. Um, but our return game, uh, you know, where we are there, those hidden yards that you can that you can get. Hopefully that's something that we can take a, another step in. True freshman Ron Cook did a lot for us last year. I look for him to continue to take another step in the return game. Defensively, you know, statistically, we 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 were we were as good as good as we've been here, um, and uh, and that was after losing some some pretty impactful players. Continuing to build depth and staying healthy, especially in the in the back end, is is going to be uh, really crucial for us. And again, uh, we lost uh, uh, Chibuzian Wuka was a you know grad transferred to Boston College, so we lose lose depth in the interior defensive line. So uh, again, but we bring bring back a couple outstanding defensive ends in in uh, Malcolm Kuntz and Taylor Riggins, and 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 if we can continue to play run defense, um, you know, at a at a high level and get teams into those those longer passing situations, then I think those guys become extremely effective again. Well, coach, I think my final football question to you is what what is it going to feel like running out on on. November 4th, that first time out of the tunnel um, with your team. Yeah, well, it's going to be exciting. Like I said, that's that point of appreciation to watch them them get excited to go do it. I'll, I'll be happy that we just got to that point and, uh, and appreciate the efforts of everyone that, that made that possible. And, um, 
you know, it's interesting because when you think about game one and then you're playing it in November and then you're trying to, you know, like everyone, whether we're talking about playing November, December games or February, March games, as we know in this part of the country, we have no idea that the weather might be even better uh, in, in what we're doing. So um, uh, I, I, that'll be kind of the, the fun part of this thing. Um, but it'll be an exciting time. And, and I, I think it's really neat that uh, we're kicking it off with action. I, I, I think that, that that helps sets us apart from, from a lot of people. I think it's a great way to get it started. Yeah, that, that was actually going to be my follow-up is just, you know, the fact that we released that schedule yesterday in the first three weeks or in the midweek, which obviously is Maction, what we're known for, that's the brand. Uh, being able to be right out of the gate and be on national TV, you know, the, mm -hmm. the national exposure that we get um, and, and to really fill that time. I mean, that's that's got to be exciting for not only your student athletes, but for you as a coaching staff as well. Absolutely. I, you know, obviously that's not in my, my realm of job, job description, but if it would have been six, six weeks of action, it would have been perfectly fine, especially because of the, you know, where we're looking at, it's probably going to be crowd wise anyway. And, and, and those things, um, you, you know, that, that is kind of our brand and, and who we are. And, and it's not just because it's a catchy phrase. It's also because a lot of people, because of that night, whether you're, you know, whether it just be homes or I always say restaurants, hotels, sports bars, whatever it is, you know, you every, every one of us has a chance to help our programs and the profiles of our universities um, off of those off of those evenings. And uh, I, I think it's, again, a, a great way to get it going. Well, awesome. I, yeah. Jeremy, you want to transition off football a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we always like to about the halfway point here. Um, a little after, but we, you know, we wanted to get to know Coach Lightbold off the field as well. And we know that it's a busy time, football and getting started with everything. But a lot of what we try to do on here is, you know, get to get to know Coach. Every, people just look at you as a football coach, and you're much more than that. And we talk about it all the time. And one one thing I I had heard is before uh, was it before you coach? Do you spend a little time in law enforcement? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I was going to say, first of all, in this, has anybody ever fallen asleep during this part of the interview? <laughs> no, no, this is really when we hit our stride, actually. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, when I, when I first graduated from Whitewater, I was, a, I, I had, a, you know, desires to get involved in criminal justice. I uh, one time wanted to go to the Secret Service, I guess, at, at one point, but uh, a lot of reasons prevent that. But yeah, so I started working part-time as a police officer in my hometown. And I also worked at a home for delinquent boys um, right outside the Milwaukee area and uh, was able to, to coach part-time at the same time. So all those things kind of came, came across. And um, I was fortunate to be a grad assistant at the University of Wisconsin under Barry Alvarez. And when I read one time that that's how he started off in Lincoln, Nebraska, after his playing days, I, I thought, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe some of this can, can line up and, and, and do some things, but I did, yes. Do you have now, a... now it was a town of 5,000 guys. Okay. Let's, <laughs> okay. Now when you work in the third shift and it's like, you know, 3 AM and there hasn't a car come by in about, about, you know, two hours. Don't worry. It wasn't, it wasn't anything high tech here. I was going to ask if you have a crazy story you could tell us uh, that's podcast appropriate, but. Uh, okay. Well, podcast appropriate. Yeah. Well, 
I got to work the dances and the in the in the city uh, heritage parade, but uh, other than that, I'd say probably the one that was I pulled a guy over for speeding once, and he didn't have a. I don't even think he had a driver's license, but he gave me his fishing license. How about that? Well, <laughs> that's, <okay>. that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. Uh, another thing that we know, you know, uh, being in Wisconsin all those years, that uh, you're a pretty big baseball fan. And uh, your your favorite team and Eric and our, my favorite team, uh, the Indians, we, we both have something in common by, you know, losing the first two games of the playoffs, which is great. Uh, you're a Brewers fan. <laughs> um, you know, how does that – how did you um, just become a Brewers fan and, and how much love do you have for the game and for them? And uh, are, are you also, you know, tied to the Packers and all that as well? Yeah, I, I, I was going to answer it that way, really, Jeremy. I, I guess uh, – even way back, I'm a throwback. I, I, I support teams. Um, you know, I have a 14 year old son now who's into it all. Like he starts talking about players and all these guys, whether it be NBA, MLB, whatever. And I'm like, who's that? What's that? And, and then I, my first thing is what team does he play for? You know? And, and I guess that's the way I was raised of, you know, it's, you know, I grew up, you know, just under an hour from Miller park, uh, hour down to watch Milwaukee bucks half hour to University of Wisconsin and then being a Packer fan and all that. So that's kind of been that way. I thought you were going to talk about that, uh, you know, being Indians fans that uh, major league was filmed at the old County stadium and Bob Euchre was in it. I thought, yeah. I thought maybe you're going that way, but. <laughs> no, it's a great, a lot of people, uh, I think maybe they know that now, but yeah, that's a, uh... Uh, some people still think that that was all filmed in Cleveland, which yeah, is not the case. It was in Milwaukee. So yeah. one of the best movies ever made. Mm -hmm. Very true. Coach, does the, I mean, is there a, I guess, silver lining for you having spent all this time, you mentioned your, your kids and I know they, they play sports as well. Is there a silver lining getting to be with them and, and, you know, having sports and playing sports with them as, as this time, you know, happened? Is there a favorite memory that you've had from this time? During COVID? Are, are you yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, our, our daughter is in her third, third uh, school year at Stetson University in Deland, Florida, where she's on the volleyball team. And, you know, the unfortunate part is when, when campus is closed, but when your daughter gets to come home, because, you know, once they leave for college, it's not quite ever the same. And, 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 um, you know, for to have her home that long was was great, and and have some of that time. Our son just turned 14 this summer, and and he was fortunate as it went through through some of the travel baseball and things. He was able to get some quite a few baseball games in, and and uh, and actually playing in a fall in a fall league right now. And so for him, you know, to have a chance to see as much as I was able to versus what our normal Junes are traveling and other things, I, I think there are sometimes. Um, there were parts of working from home, where, which actually were very productive in, in the month of April and May um, in recruiting um, that, I, that I did enjoy. And a lot of times, you know, when the semester's over. Now, I can't say my family was happy all the time that I was there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they were ready to see dad go back to work as well. Yeah, and the only other thing that I have, um, just on a personal level, is, you know, what, what kind of, well, first of all, ask, what kind of other things are you just into off the football field? What, I mean, uh, you take, you take football out of it. Uh, you take family out of it. You know, what else is coach Leipold, uh, you know, uh, off the field? That's where the boring part really comes guys. I think, you know, that's where it's been. And, you know, I was, 
I like watching sports. I like doing those things. My wife and I do like to travel. Um, you know, when, when time was there, uh, you know, vacations on the beach and, and doing those things. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not a golfer at, at this stage and, and doing this, you know, there's some things there that I, I try to find time for more hobbies, but I don't think I have a ton. And, and I think when you have kids, and between your job and doing some of those other things, it's tough and uh, to, yeah. to create them. And I've always, I, I always felt that I, I felt guilty if I was gone more than I already am. And I'm not trying to say I do anything other than just try to try to be around the house and do things and, and try to be there for family when, when, when it can be. And, uh, but uh, trying to be a little bit better at being balanced, Jeremy, I'm trying to be and that. And I think some of this has also helped kind of put some things into perspective as well. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the one thing I guess, are, are you a music guy? You, 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 yeah, I mean, you everyone know, likes do, music, right? Yeah, you know, at this stage, you know, uh, through life, you know, I, I, there's there's times when we play music during practice. There's a lot of it I don't quite familiar with, but uh, <laughs> when we do go, you know, I, I'm probably now more in more country and things like that. My wife and I, I guess, if you do say things, and I kind of forgot because you haven't been able to do that, is you yeah. know, we'll go to concerts and stuff, and we we've enjoyed doing those and and uh, and and music festivals and things like that when time allows as well. Do you have a favorite person you ever saw live? Um, I'd say there's probably two, probably one of the, you know, different groups and that we, my wife and I have talked to them back when we were first together in Omaha, we saw Prince and that was one, still one of our best shows that we've seen. But uh, Kenny Chesney has been one in the bigger concerts that we've seen, uh, have a, been fortunate to become good friends with, uh, with Phil Vassar, who's a country singer, songwriter, piano player. And, and just you really start watching what those guys do when you get a chance to meet people like that behind the stage it's like the band is almost like assistant coaches and sometimes they're moving they're moving on to other other groups and moving up with people that have bigger tours and things like that and and the singer gets to be the he's either the d3 d2 fcs head coach versus the guy who who might be the power five guy that that's doing the big stadiums and there's a lot of similarities in, in those things that a lot of hours and a lot of things. So kind of enjoy some of that, but, uh, yeah. um, but those are some of the shows that, that we've enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just ask that to follow the, the music uh, question up is just, what was your first concert ever and your best concert? Oh, wow. Best kind of, like I said, my, my, my wife and I, we talked about that Prince concert yeah, once, but yeah. then we saw the Eagles once in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it was that that was awesome. The other one, I don't know, I'm just throwing some out was Elton John and Billy Joel together. That 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 was that was an awesome one. Um, first one, boy, I don't know if you ever heard of Summerfest in Milwaukee. It's a ten day music festival there. You know, you can see tons of bands and, and stuff like that. And I, I can't remember where I, probably the first one I went to was there in the big amphitheater. But um, for some reason, I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Even I know I saw the B-52s once, believe it or not. So I can tell you some bad ones I saw too. So. Ten days. Do you remember your first concert? I mean, yeah. what was it like four years ago? I <laughs> It was actually in Mall C in downtown Cleveland. It was an out, outdoor concert. It was Kid Cudi. It was Kid my first Cudi, concert. Yeah. My, my first concert was Crisscross. Cross. Chris, okay. Crisscross back, in the, in, back in the day. So. <laughs> I've never heard of that. 
you never heard of crisscross no uh you have you have I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll play the song for you later. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> hey, Coach, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, great to, you know, ask these few questions about you off the field as well. And, uh, you know, with the, with the big focus uh, gearing up towards November 4th, we're all excited. Been waiting all this time. And Eric and I talk all the time about our guests, you know, being at our basketball tournament and having that cut in March and that we've just been in this waiting game, you know, and until we've announced everything. And so, you know, can't wait to see your squad get out there and all the max squads get out there and, and you know, with, with midweek matching. And it's it's really going to be uh, cool to, to see everyone back out there. So, Coach Leipold, again, thank you for your time today and uh, best of luck this season. Appreciate the opportunity, guys. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Next on the Call to Action podcast, we have two very special guests with us uh, on to talk about, uh, you know, a little bit more of our Taking Action campaign about about privilege. And today we have two people from Central Michigan joining us. We have Anika Weeks and Jewel Cotton with us. Welcome, guys. We we appreciate you guys being on with us today. Thank you. And uh, we'll get right into it. I think. I mean, how has just a quick off the bat question how what's it like being back on campus and and how are things going for you guys so far it's different I mean you know not being able to see my friends as much because I'm in a bubble but I'm I'm enjoying it making the best of the time well, we've been in the office since or I've been in the office since late June so mm -hmm. I've gotten time um, to get acclimated to being back in the office um, kind of I guess, remove some of that paranoia that was there initially um, and just getting comfortable with students being back on campus and just having more of a, a busier city. Um, Mount Pleasant is typically very slow. And then obviously with our current state in America, just Mount Pleasant looks different right now. So um, just getting used to that. I don't know if we'll ever get used to it because I think things are forever changing, but that's kind of what we're doing right now. Just moving with the times. And Jewel, uh, just to bring up, I mean, you were a former uh, member of the women's basketball team at CMU as well. And now you're the assistant director of student athlete development at CMU. From being a student athlete to your current role, you know, how have you grown into that role uh, from not too long ago being on the court? And what do you enjoy the most about what you're currently doing? Well, I think that it just takes relationship building to the next level. Um, being a former women's basketball student athlete, not only were we teammates, but we were family. So um, as you become, you know, from freshman year to senior year, you are more involved in like the recruiting process where your coach is like, hey, can you come and meet with these um potential student athletes that we want to have, you know, come to Central and you really get to share your experiences and how um, CMU has shaped me and molded me into the person I am today. And, and I think that um, that has also prepared me for my current role because I'm also talking to current student athletes, former and prospective student athletes. So uh, it's definitely helped me um, kind of use the experiences that I was able to to make memories I was able to make and um, implement them on a daily basis. So all my memories and experiences remain raw because I'm are utilizing them so often um, that it's 
pretty much like I, you know, hasn't really changed. Like I live it every day, kind of. Um, I still answer the phone the same way I would if I was a student athlete when my coach calls me. So um, I don't think that dynamic or that will ever change. So in this role, um, implementing programming and being the academic coordinator for my sports, um, it helps me because I wasn't the perfect student, student athlete or in the classroom. So um, I know trends when I see them because I was that same, you know, I was pulling the same stuff. Um, and also from a development standpoint, after graduating, I didn't have an offer. I didn't have a job uh, set in stone or, or lined up. So my job is I really want to prepare our student athletes, um, not only professionally, but obviously from a personal standpoint, leadership development, and then just in the community. So um, that has all, my experience has all helped me for this position pretty much. Sure, that's great. And Anika, having someone like Jewel in that position and having, uh, you know, with you being a current uh, member of the women's basketball program, you know, how, how much are you able to rely on someone like her and, and go through someone who has had past experiences and, and use them and have someone to ask questions off of, bounce, bounce things off of? Um, I think it's very beneficial that I have Jewel as my academic counselor. You know, she's gone through it, like she said, and I, I'm always in Jewel's office. I'm like, hey, how do I, you know, try to manipulate my schedule so I can get the best out of it? She helps me a lot. Um, and then also she knows how to schedule around practice time. You know, it's hard because we have a early practice time. I know I had a biology class that was supposed to be at 8 a.m. So we're like, okay, if you take it in the summer, and then that couldn't work. And then, you know, Jewel had to figure it out where I can take it in, you know, the fall, all of that. So she's been wonderful and I definitely appreciate her. No, that's fantastic. And I, I think jumping into today's topic of, of privilege, I, I kind of want to get started with Jewel. And I guess to start things off, what is your definition of privilege and, and how do you define it personally? Um, I define privilege as leverage. Um, what you can use to leverage yourself or put yourself in a position to um, capitalize off that current moment. Um, and it's not always stemming to race. <clears throat> like me just thinking more um, logically or just in a simpler fashion, uh, I have a privilege of reaching above on top of the cabinets without a ladder or a step stool. You know what I mean? Like those are the things that um, I use, I use that leverage to get up there and get what I want. I don't have to ask anybody for assistance or, you know, so things like that. But I think immediately when I hear the word privilege, I use, I, I guess, see leverage. I see that because um, that's kind of how you utilize it. Or you don't, sometimes it's so, it's unconscious or subconscious where you don't even notice that you're utilizing it in that fashion. Um, but I do think that that's the first thing I think of when I hear the word uh, privilege. And then Nika, how about you? Uh, same with Jewel, just to piggyback off of her. I think it's some form of like unequalness. You know, someone has the ability to do something where someone doesn't have the ability to do something. So like she said, she can reach on top of the cabinet and grab something, whereas a shorter person would have to use a step stool, sort of go out of their way to reach the same goal that she can accomplish so easily yeah, and <clears throat> i mean clearly you guys it's it's uh a leverage thing uh and and uh jewel like you mentioned it's stuff that sometimes is just you don't even think about you don't you don't 
realize and and it's happening all around us um you know does does i guess the question should be a simple answer but um anika to you like does does being privileged make you better than someone else you know i mean it's a pretty uh probably easy answer but uh does that really come into play in the grand scheme of things as we just talk about the topic of just because you're priv privileged, does that make you better than someone else? And after your answer, just just talk about why. Um, I necessarily, I don't think it makes you better than them. I think you get to the goal faster, but I always think that the person that works the hardest is the better person at the end of the day. You learn more and you still accomplish the same goal, just not in the same time frame. So does it make you better? Yes, to the eyes of other people, but no, in the long run. And Jewel, your take on that? Definitely agree with Aniko on that point. Um, typically, it's more on the outside. It's that external piece that we automatically look at before someone even opens their mouth. Um, and that is what pretty much the privilege is based on. Your immediate qualification is based on what they see. Um, and that doesn't necessarily, in most cases, doesn't, I guess, isn't the I guess, ideal or um, more, most credible, I guess, element or factor that one should consider, but that's just one of those societal um, dynamics that we live in. So where that's the immediate first reaction or they base that first um, instance on the external factors. <laughs> sure, and, and I think like when thinking about that, it just comes down to, uh, something as simple, I think that we see just in like, uh, so it's like gender privilege, right? So, uh, when you're looking at a job and maybe it's a male dominated field and a male would tend to on the outside, the perception would be like, that's their job. Well, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're the best person for that job. So I think that kind of stuff happens, um, all the time. We know it does. And, but you know, that, that outside perception is, that's all it is. And so that's why we're talking about this. Like you, 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 the leverage is there and, and people need to start listening more and, and learning more about, you know, that, that everyone is, uh, although there are different things, you may, you may be better in some areas, but maybe better or not, but everyone is, um, you know, whether you work hard to Anika's point um, and, and use uh, all the things available to you to, to kind of put yourself in position to get that job, but you should be on the same playing field. You know, it shouldn't be like a gender-based thing. Right, and I guess my my follow-up to that is, you know, privilege. I feel like as a as a phrase has such a negative connotation. But do you feel that privilege necessarily is a is a bad thing to have in in certain situations? And I guess um, Julie, you can answer that first, and then we'll go. I would say it's only presented as negative if someone doesn't acknowledge it. That means that it's more internal. It's based on their view of privilege because if you have a problem with acknowledging your privilege, there's obviously a flaw that you see there. Um, and I think that which um, what plays into that is when someone acknowledges that they have privilege but uses that privilege to then uplift someone else. That's when I think that you're utilizing your privilege in the best way. Um, Obviously, if you can't even acknowledge that you see it, you have it, then that's a kind of that self-awareness that you need to, to gather prior to being able to utilize that privilege 
to uplift others. Jewel stole what I was gonna say. I was <laughs> gonna say, yeah, um, I mean, the first thing is to acknowledge that you have privilege. And then once you have done that, it's like, what do you do with that knowledge? Are you going to just play like you don't know that you have it, but still use things to your advantage? Or are you gonna help the person that doesn't have as much privilege as you get to where you are? And, and speaking on that, I mean, another thing we wanted to talk about today was being an ally and having allyship uh, uh, with with your people around you and, and uplifting that. And I guess, how do you um, go about doing that? And, and especially you on campuses, um, you see people and are working with people all day, every day. Um, how do you use your privilege to kind of uplift others? Anika, we can start with you. Um, okay. I'll use the example of, you know, I have a platform on being a basketball team, you know, so I have a voice that may mean more than what a normal student's voice may mean. So it would be my duty to speak for everyone, including myself and the non-students. So that's my privilege. I would definitely say with being on campus, allyship really, to me, just means that you are willing to sacrifice whatever you potentially could lose by supporting or by um, just being uh, an advocate for, in this case, or you know, privilege or uh, social injustice, whatever it is, if you are willing to back someone's belief, because one, you support it, but you know that there may be ramifications that may follow, and you're still willing to push the envelope to do more, to educate yourself, that's what, what, to me, I want that type of ally. I want that type of ally that stands with conviction, knowing that they are um, looking to not only be supportive, but educate and inform others. Yeah. And Joel, you hit right, what I, right on what I was going to say. I mean, a lot of this and a lot of the topics, no matter what, during our whole taking action um, emphasis and the Mac's been great about that uh, over the years, yeah. just not this fall, but educating yourself on all these topics. Like every time Eric and I are going on one of these podcasts and talking about a new topic, I'm learning something new. And to uh, not only listen and actively listen on that topic, but to just educate yourself and to be accountable. And what I kind of, uh, Anika, to, to kind of piggyback off what you said, um, you're on a basketball team, right? And, and not just the students around you, um, but you're also out there as a role model, right? To, to a lot of people in the community and, and have, have that as well. How, how is that look for both of you? I mean, you both played um, the, the role, being a role model and, and taking it with, you know, a lot of these things that we are trying to learn about now, uh, hopefully kids in elementary school and, maybe a little older are, are starting to learn because this is, these topics are all coming to light. Like how, how much does that mean to you that you're able to be out there and, and be a role model? Um, to me, it means everything. I think that's the biggest part of why I play. You know, there are little kids, our ball girls, you know, this is like, there's people that look up to me and really like just want to see me do good. And so in order for me to give back to them, I need to be on my best behavior, you know, my P's and Q's so that they can follow in my footsteps, you know? I think that, and actually I was told this by, by a mentor, is they're shaping me for me to then fulfill a role as a mentor. And in the same case, as a role model, um, 
I want to ensure that those following me are equipped with the skills that they need to lead others, you know, and for others to come to them and they feel that they have an ally, a mentor, someone in their corner that they can not only look up to, but learn from and be able to um, receive the, the knowledge, the skills, the values that one needs in order to lead um, then on. Sure. And I guess the only last thing for me, and I think Eric has one more, is you have teammates, you have other people from other sports that you're friends with and, and on campus. How do you uh, talk to them and tell them maybe they're not the best ally right now, but we can all be that way? What would be your advice to uh, others, other student athletes, others on campus? They don't have to be student athletes about, you know, how, how they can be better at being an ally for someone. And Joel, we'll start with you. Well, I think, um, and, and I don't want to get the message uh, misconstrued here, but I think if we can listen to understand and not to convince, because you don't have to agree with someone to understand their point. Um, and I think if we start there, you, your values, your beliefs may not align, but you can understand where they're coming from. And we could just go from there because there's a baseline of respect there. Um, and we grow up in, in a nation, a world where difference, differences in values and beliefs can be celebrated. It's diversity, you know? So I think if we use that in the same element, in the same uh, format, we should be able to not only um, understand each other, but walk away and say, that's how she believes. That's what she believes in. This is what I believe in. And you don't have to cross that boundary of respect or cross that line of respect because there is no expectation that I need to walk away and I need to have persuaded that person or I need them to come on to this side. No, we're from two different backgrounds. We have two different experiences. They can stay there. Those values and beliefs are come from two different places. Now they can align and in the best case, you'd be happy and you can sing Kumbaya, hold hands and all of that. Um, but sometimes that doesn't happen and you walk away with different beliefs and that is okay. As long as that level of respect remains, I think that then I feel like I've done my job. Just to piggyback off of that, uh, you know, I go into conversations or you have to go into conversations knowing that it's okay to agree to disagree. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you're from different diversities. In this conversation, your main goal shouldn't be to try to change their views, but to learn something. Even if you're not gonna take it back into your views, but know that, okay, she thinks like this, this is why. And then so, you know, she can say, okay, she thinks like this and this is why you both learn two things and then you go your separate way. There's no, I changed her views or I want to change her views. That way nobody, nobody's feelings gets hurt. So you guys are both cool and that's it. You both learn something. No, I, I think you both put it very eloquently and I think that's yeah. almost that was, a, that was great. a great point to end on. Um, I did, I did want to ask one last question before we uh, let you guys get going and that's, um, you know, basketball season is less than two months away. And what, what's what's going to be the feeling when you step out in uh, Margaret for the first time in, in front of people? You know, I was injured last year, so I'm just ready to get on the court and just start playing safely. <laughs> safely is the biggest word. But, yeah, I'm just ready to start playing. You know, we've been practicing, and my teammates have been working really hard. We're ready. 
think for me, I'm just ready to get back to open gym, you know, once it's safe to just run, have a good run with our staff and our, our group of friends. Um, you know, I'm not on the competitive playing surface. I, I, you know, I take a rep off here and there. So I'm just happy to be able to watch um, our girls play just what they're going through in practice and how they have to, you know, build their bodies up and, and just get, I guess, reacclimated to playing with one another after being off so long. So we're just, we're very excited to see uh, all the hard work and for them to actually be able to play. And I mean, I feel like, you know, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, it gets further and further, but um, just for them and something to watch and people to, you know, support. Yeah, I Absolutely. know. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know I speak for, for Jeremy and, and myself when we say we're both very excited to get basketball back rolling again. And we appreciate you guys coming on with us today. So for Anika and Jewel, we, we appreciate you and wish you guys the best. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Return of the man. Return of the man. Come on, return of the man.